Today we are talking about a disciple's grief. But before I go, in, before I go into that, I'm going to share about something good that has happened in my house, or rather, below my house. How many of you all like bubble tea? Yeah, a few, right? I think most of us here in Singapore, we do enjoy bubble tea. And so you can imagine how happy I was. Can I go next? Okay, one second. You can imagine how happy I was when I got the good news that there's a new bubble tea shop that is actually opening downstairs at my house. I live in a HDB, and downstairs is just a coffee shop. But the wonderful thing is that when I walked past, it used to be a second-hand phone shop. Then they started to open a bubble tea shop, and I was waiting for it. So when it finally opened, I was so happy to be able to see a bubble tea shop and to be able to buy. But having a bubble tea shop downstairs your house has both pros and cons. It's good for your taste buds, but bad for your <laughs> tummy. And so I knew that from that day on, I would face every single day, I would face a very big temptation. This is, this is the shop that's downstairs my house. My, my, my block is 308C. Every day, because now we all work from home, many of us, right? When I go down to buy lunch, I have to walk past the shop. Then I look, not today. I look at my tummy and I walk past. The problem then is, I have to, after I buy my food, I have to walk past the shop one more time. And I have to be like, ah, not today. I really have to pray that I can overcome this temptation. So far, I've limited myself to once a week from that specific shop. Outside, doesn't mean it's once a week I buy bubble tea. Huh? Once a week from the shop downstairs my house is better than every day. I think we all face temptation. And we have to sometimes really pray and have to pray that I will be able to overcome this temptation. In Luke chapter 22, verse 39, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. This is not Jesus' first time to the Garden of Gethsemane. He would come here often to pray and connect with God. But this time, he came here to pray for a very specific purpose. Matthew gives us a little bit more. He says to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. His purpose of prayer is because his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow as he was anticipating what would soon happen to him. He was facing the whole weight of, of the world on his shoulders. The sins of the world, the temptations that would soon come. And like any person... He wanted to avoid the suffering. And so, when he reached this place, today he has a special request for all of his disciples. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Out of all the gospel writers, only Luke specifies the reason 
that the disciples were supposed to pray. We often assume that they were, they were there and they fell asleep because they were very tired. But that is not the case. The temptation that Jesus asked them to pray was not the temptation to sleep. It was a far greater and more dangerous temptation. COVID-19 needs no introduction. More than 4.2 million people have died because of COVID-19. But one of the worst parts about the deaths in COVID-19 is that for many people around the world, they cannot have a proper funeral. You can't. For some religions, it's worse. I think some of you might know some religions, the family needs to wash the body. Banned. Can you imagine? You can't even do the thing you're supposed to do to send off your family. Here in Singapore, things are slightly better. But if you don't have a funeral, you can have, it's just limited number of people that can come. You can't, sing a, you can't sing a song together to comfort each other. And for the person that died of COVID-19, of which I think unfortunately in my church, I think your church is not untouched either. We have many foreigners. Last weekend, three of my church members lost their parents. COVID-19. Can they fly home to visit, to, for the funerals? No. They have to mourn on Zoom. How, how Can you imagine? You have to mourn the loss of your mom on Zoom. You can't even go back there to attend. And for the person that died, you can't even hug your family in the hospital. You're dying. COVID-19 has made grief so hard to bear. And ever since World War II, have there been so many unexpected deaths and warning, mourning around the world. Illness and death is not the only thing that COVID-19 has taken away from people all around the world. According to a report by the UN, 225 million jobs have been lost due to COVID-19. The worst hit, we all know, tourism, hospitality, F&B. Our favourite chicken rice shops are closing in Singapore. Decimated because of COVID-19. We've not travelled in a long time. I remember a long time ago. I went up, I think many of us went up Mount Ophir before, right? Now I went climbing some mountain. I remember coming, coming down the mountain, there were these little boys and girls, they were following, I think some of you might experience this. They, was, they were trying to sell me these very cute little bracelets. Now they're very cheap, they are not worth much, but I remember yeah, some of us, we bought these bracelets and we just brought them back just for fun. What are these children and their family eating now? Their only livelihood, which is gullible tourists coming down the mountain. That's the only thing they can do to earn money. Where are they going to find food to eat? Now, we've been blessed in Singapore. I really thank God. You know, sometimes we complain, like, our government's so strict. You go to the malls these days, it feels like there's no pandemic, only people wearing masks. It's so crowded in our malls, you know. We can, we can eat, uh, we can come to church. But around the world, the poor, they're starving, they're suffering, they're dying, and not just of COVID-19. For many people around the world, ourselves included, many, many of you, COVID-19 has taken away so, so much. But grief has existed long before COVID-19. We've lost loved ones to disease, to death, to broken relationships. We've experienced our dreams 
fall apart before our very eyes. And it is in this environment where things are falling apart that Satan thrives. From the very beginning, it was grief that attacked Adam and Eve. We know the story. Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve must have wondered to themselves, God, why would you allow our firstborn son to kill our second son? To murder in cold blood our second son. When we lose something precious to us, the first question always ask God, why? Why God? Why do you allow us to lose what we love? Why allow me to lose my job? Why allow me to lose that boy or that girl that I love so much? Why will, God, why will you allow me to lose my loved ones? The problem is, many times, there are no questions to this, to, no answers to this why, isn't it? Why do bad things happen to good people? And for many Christians, when we cannot get these answers to our whys, we give up. We give up on God altogether because obviously God doesn't care. Obviously God doesn't love me because I have no answer. And this is the temptation that Satan brings back to us. God doesn't care. Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you? Just give up on God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan is this roaring lion. He's prowling around, and right now in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's prowling around the disciples of Jesus, getting them to be disillusioned, to blame God and to give up in the end. Because that's where they are the weakest. They are about to lose everything they ever dreamed of, everything they ever hoped, or hoped for in their lives. And the problem is, here in the church, sometimes in moments of grief, we have become Satan's greatest ally to chase people away from God. These are three unhealthy ways to deal with grief and we do it in the church all the time. The first one, ignore it. Pretend it doesn't exist. We are Christians, isn't it? So, you know, bad things happen, we're going to heaven, it's alright. I remember when I did my O-levels many, many, many years back. I did really badly for my O-levels. I wanted to go to, uh, I wanted to go to JC. But my results were so terrible, I couldn't go to JC. And so what did I do? I pretended I didn't want to go to JC anyway. I was feeling terrible, but nah, I, I wanted to go to Polly anyway. You know? We ignore it. We take the grief and we ignore it. The next thing that we do is we minimize the grief. I'm okay. I'm actually okay. We pretend, we, okay, we might acknowledge that it's there, but we pretend that we're okay even though this bad thing that's happened to us. The last thing, and perhaps the worst thing in the church, is we spiritualize it. How many times have you heard when something bad happens? All things work to the good of those that love the Lord. Heard that before? Have you said it to someone who's grieving before? 
for that person is grieving, how do they feel? Maybe they just, they just lost a loved one. And then someone comes up to you. I remember I lost my son a number of years back. He died not long after he was born. And members came up to me. Pastor, I was a pastor already. All things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. You mean my son died because I love God? How can that be? That makes no sense. You mean God wants me to ha- wants me to go through this? When we spiritualize it, we make this grief into something that it is not. And then Satan takes it and kicks it out of the park and there we go. People lose faith in God. We want to lose faith in God altogether. That's why Jesus says this to them. He didn't say don't sleep because that's not their temptation. Okay? On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus knew. Soon they will lose their Messiah. They will lose their hope. They will lose their future because Jesus was crucified on the cross. And in that grief, when they had nothing left, Satan would come in so strong to tempt them to give up. What Satan wanted to do? These 12 disciples were the ones that were supposed to spread the good news. And Satan wanted to kill that movement before it even began. And so Jesus, with all this, knowing that his disciples were going to face such a strong temptation, he withdrew. Luke 22, 41 to 42. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. How did Jesus deal with his grief? Can you imagine if you knew you were going to be crucified? The amount of pain you're going to go through, the knowledge that everyone you ever known or loved is going to abandon you. How much grief will you be going through? Anticipating this was about to happen. But Jesus didn't ignore his grief. Jesus didn't minimize his grief. He didn't even spiritualize his grief. He paid attention to the pain. Something we all hate doing. And then he brought it to God. He begged God for what seemed impossible. He pleaded with God. He cried with God. He said, can I don't do this? Please, God, please. He knew there was not an option, but he prayed nonetheless to God because he acknowledged and he allowed himself to grieve. And then he comes back to his disciples. After he prays, he comes back to his disciples. Matthew 26, 40-41. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray. Why? Not so you don't sleep, you know. We always think Jesus is so mad because the disciples were sleeping. No. It's not about the sleep. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The disciples, how did they deal with the grief? They dealt with the grief by ignoring it, by minimizing it, and by trying to just sleep it off. And that's what we do when we grieve. We don't want to do anything, much less bring it to God, much less talk to our friends, much less stop bringing it to church. Don't want to talk to the pastor. He's going to tell me all things work to the good of God for those that love the Lord. Of course, Pastor James won't do that, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't want to do all these things. It takes too much effort. 
we stop praying, we stop reading the Bible, we stop going to church. We want to give up on God, we want to give up on this world, we want to give up on this life. And why do we want to give up on all these things? We want to give up all these things because if God doesn't care and the church doesn't care and nobody cares, why don't you just give up on everything? This was the temptation that the disciples were facing. And I remember, I remember way back then, about five years ago, when I lost my son, he, was, he had congenital problems. So even in the womb, the doctor said, yeah, there's a 50-50 chance that he will not survive. And indeed, when, he, when we lost him, 20 minutes after he was born, it was tough. Really tough. And so my wife and I, we decided, we are going to go find a support group. Find a support group of parents who have lost their children. Maybe that will help. They will understand, I'm sure. And so we did. My wife went to Google, and we found a support group. We went there. It was for parents who have lost their children, whether it's through miscarriage, whether it's when they, they died when they were young or they died when they were teenagers and so on. We went there once. We never came back. Why? Because I remember we went there and we sat down and there was these parents that were grieving. Some, yeah, some is miscarriage, young children, older children. And we went around. We took turns. We shared, okay, I'm so-and-so, my, my son died, I'm so-and-so, I have a miscarriage, I'm so-and-so, my daughter died. And it was just stories of grief and grief and grief and grief and no hope. It was, we went dead sad and we left feeling depressed. It's so, it, it, just, it just drains everything out of you because it just feels so bad. Like, ah, there's no answers, there's no solutions. And then that is where Satan comes in and says, yeah, give up. Look, nobody knows the answer. Give up. And, that's, and so Jesus says, please, disciples, please pray. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. After that, an angel from heaven, Luke 22, 43, 44, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat was like blood falling to the ground. Here is where Jesus did something that is so difficult. Even though he knew God's answer was no, my precious son, you still got to do this. You're still going to suffer. Your friends are still going to abandon you. But Jesus still goes back to God and he waits with God even though he didn't know how he would be able to go through what was going to come. And even after being comforted, God sends an angel to comfort him. That's not enough. He's so, he was grieving so much that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. In our grief, many times, we cannot understand. We cannot see. We don't know how to take that next step forward. But if we will wait with God, like Jesus did, if we will wait with God, God will comfort our aching heart. Because it is in this time that God lets us know that He's real. God lets, lets us know that He cares. 
God lets us know that He loves us, even as Satan has corrupted this world to a place of suffering and sorrow and death. Not God, no. Satan. We blame God. Satan is the one that's done this. He's the enemy. And it is here that God reaches down to strengthen us. Even as the pain is still there. Even if our tears are still wet. If we allow Him to, God was there to comfort us. And so, after that, Jesus rose from prayer, went back to His disciples, and He found them asleep, exhausted, not from tiredness, exhausted from what? Sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked that. Get up again, He's saying, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus, in His grief, He prayed, and God sent an angel to, come, to strengthen Him. In their sorrow, the disciples slept. They were not comforted. They were not strengthened for what was to come. The disciples, they coped with the realization that all they hoped and dreamt for would soon go away, would soon be gone, destroyed. Jesus would be betrayed. Jesus would die too. They don't know what to do, so they went to sleep. They wanted to ignore their grief, minimize their grief, spiritualize their grief. But in doing so, their grief had weakened and exhausted them while Jesus' grief had strengthened and renewed him. That was why he was ready to face the temptation straight head on. And none of his disciples were ready to face the temptation by dealing with his grief the right way. He was able to be crucified on the cross for all of our sins. By dealing with their grief in the wrong way, the disciples betrayed Jesus at the first opportunity. This is the coffin of my son. I think I never expected that I would be carrying this coffin down in Mandai. I remember I carried this coffin walked down the stairs, he'd been to Mandai, and then placed it on that, that table. The coffin of my dead son. If there was one thing that would be able to drive me away from the church, is this. I remember my wife and I, we were thinking, God, I really gave everything to, everything to you, isn't it? Became a pastor for you, eh? What more can I give, you know? I quit my job at MOE. I was a school counsellor. They were grooming me for leadership. When I left, I met it. The, they told me, oh, they're going to make you supervisor, blah, 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 blah. I quit all of that. Went to San Yu, answered the call to being a pastor. What more can I do, God? And you still take my son away from me? Church members came up to us. Well, I mentioned to you just now. Oh, all things work to the good of those that love the Lord. Some ladies went up to my wife, you know. I think maybe your body wasn't strong enough. That's why this happened. Before you have your next kid, how about you build up your body? You kick them, I tell you. Nonsense. Spiritualize it. Minimize it. Ignore it. You don't have an answer why, honestly. We still don't. Why would God let me bury my son? 
I don't know. Do you know? If you know, tell me. I don't. Years on, we still go back, we visit the little niche. We bring our two daughters there to visit the niche. Why? We don't know why. But we do know that there's something in our grief. Isaiah 45 verse 3. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel who summons you by name. In our grief, we found some hidden treasures. I remember a couple of weeks after, I preached a sermon in Thompson Church. And from that day onwards, again and again, mothers would go to my wife and tell her, I had a miscarriage. I lost my son. I lost my daughter. Fathers would share with me. So how do I help my wife when we lose our children? But my wife and I, our hidden treasure, our riches in that secret place was that things that could not be talked about openly can now be talked with us openly because we understand. No one understands the pain of losing a child and another parent who's lost a child. In the church, how often do we talk about lost children? Maybe we attend a funeral. Oh, I'm sorry for your loss. All things work together for the good of God, those that love the Lord. That's about it. That's all we do. But the pain of losing a child lasts years, and you never let it go. I remember an elderly auntie in church lost her child more than 20 years ago, crying, came to my wife. We never knew. She was like serving in church, you know? Like, let go, like, those the most happy person, crying. I lost my child so many years ago. No chance to talk about it because no one to talk about it. We have this new quote-unquote grief ministry. It's not official ministry. It's not a, yeah, there's no name, no budget. But people know. There's someone to talk to. Now we can talk about things that no one wants to talk about. No one knows how to talk about. That's, our, that's the hidden treasure. In our grief, God can find hidden treasures. Not that there's a reason for the grief, because God will never put us through such things. But when Satan puts us through such things to get us to give up, God says, I'll find you some hidden treasures. Peter, 1 Peter 5, 8-9. Peter, the one who betrayed Jesus, three times at first opportunity. He knows what it's like to go through the grief of betraying his Lord because of his grief. And so he says, be alert and of somber mind, sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. We always think we suffer alone. No. Every single person sitting here in this church and watching online has been through grief. We've all suffered grief. So instead of ignoring our grief, 
Let us acknowledge our grief. And come to God that He may help us overcome. Instead of minimizing our grief, allow ourselves to feel the pain and deal with it. Instead of spiritualizing our grief, let us come to God honestly, being vulnerable with Him. Allow Him to comfort us. And then together as a family, a family of believers who we know we've all experienced grief in one way or another, not alone but together, stand firm in the faith. Resist the roaring lion that Satan cannot devour us in our grief. Then we will find treasures and riches in secret places. May God bless us. Let us sing our closing song. Father in heaven, we pray that in our grief, that Satan will not be able to swoop in like a roaring lion and devour us. But instead, we'll bring our grief to you to be comforted, to be strengthened. And we pray that as a family of God, we may be able to resist the devil 
and as one church, one family, be able to find our treasures in hidden places. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.